The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to the Pinpoint House Show. Yeah, I don't want to go out. I want to stay in and get things done. Look at that. A little bit of a foreshadowing by David Bowie, almost 30 years and uh, enjoying the lockdown, apparently. The stay-at-home order, but life must go on, and health concerns also still a concern. Info at pinpointhealth.ca. And a reminder, you want to catch your favorite podcasts, uh, Dr. Lou's podcast, The Lou Down, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. But we're going to uh, launch into it right away. Dr. Lou, what's going on, my brother? John, good morning. I'm well. Uh, how are you? Excellent, man. Ready to, uh, ready to rock That's and roll. What's on, the, uh, what's on the menu? Well, you're right. You started the show by saying that life must go on. And and the reality is that pain and injury problems that people suffer um, will go on regardless of of the lockdowns, restrictions, COVID, whatever it is. I I was actually, we spoke about this last week. I was seeing somebody this morning um, and I was speaking to them about, you know, it's very, very interesting because uh, I was speaking to this person, not not a patient, just in general. and, And we were talking about how um, you know, he was asking, oh, business must be down at the clinics just by the very nature that people are doing a little bit less uh, and they're not moving around as much. And I said, well, interestingly enough, mm-hmm. the reality is that, you know, pain can also set in with deconditioning when your body weakens because of not doing anything. And we spoke, we almost spent, you know, an entire show last week talking yes. about that. Um, where, you know, now, now we're going to see two things happen, right? What we're going to see is now is this weather is thankfully looking looking uh, like it's getting better. More and more people are going to be getting out there, which is great. I encourage that 100%. You should be doing that. The issue that I think people need to be aware of is that they've spent the last however many months not doing almost anything, uh, in most cases anyways. not This obviously is not, not speaking about every single person. But, you know, and if they haven't done anything, you don't want to go out there right now and overdo it because that's where you'll create injury too, right? Anytime you jump into something too quickly, that is potentially a, a scenario for some type of trauma uh, because you, your body may not be used to that level of activity anymore, the load that you're putting on it, whatever it may be. So I think I think what I want to get across in this so, sort of opening segment is is gauging what you're doing and and introducing it in a manner that is realistic for the reality of your body right and listen to your body like i want people to get out there and go for a walk but if you haven't walked at all to think that you're going to go for a two-hour walk in the next day and the day after that not feel a lot of pain is crazy you're going to feel it and even if you were someone who was an avid athlete if you haven't done very much and, and your body will will get will get sore now the reality is it may not be a bad soreness. It may just be delayed onset muscle soreness, which is common uh, when, as your body gets stronger. But you want to make sure you're not sustaining injuries, right? And that's a very, very different thing. And so you've got to be able to listen to your body, understand some of the early types of indicators for what an injury may be versus just muscular soreness to be able to distinguish that so you don't you know, create a problem as you go forward. I I think I've said this a lot in the last few months, but one of the things that often stops people from achieving their health goals is injury, right? Because you get injured, you can't do what you, what you want to do. Um, and, and listening to your body. And it's interesting. I'm going to use my own case for a second here. Um, since about, uh, February, I've been 
really upping the level of activity. I've tried to continue being active, but I've tried to really up the level of activity since February. I underwent a period of time where, and again, I, I ended last week sort of talking about this, where I said it was a little bit hypocritical of me. I had sustained this low back injury, like yep. a nagging type of low back pain um, that I've never really had anything like that before that was with me for a very long time. And I didn't want to stop. And, you know, I was talking to one of my colleagues about it. And they said, you know, if someone came to you with this, what would you say? And I'd say, well, I would have told them to stop for at least a period of time because you're sacrificing a short term of stopping for, you know, potentially a very long term injury. And and they sort of looked at me like, duh. And, and so I did exactly that, John. I, I took off a, a, a complete week from everything that I was doing. I still focused in on rehabilitation exercises and the right things to do for my low back, which I had been doing anyways. But I gave myself what I like to call active rest uh, by still doing things that were, were beneficial for me. And you know what? I took a week off. I'm back at doing what I was doing. It's there, but it's definitely 70 or 80% better than it was prior to that. So, so sometimes incorporating these things, I know people sometimes don't want to take that active break. They don't want to do it because they think it's sending them behind, but you really sometimes have to think about, you might set yourself behind for a few days right now in the early stage. Do you want to run into a scenario where you're setting yourself back for months because yeah. you sustain something so bad that it knocks you on your butt and you can't and you really can't no matter what your willpower is and and that's where i felt like i was moving towards and again i'm, I'm fully admitting that i'm I, I was hypocritical and and sort of going counter to what i would recommend anyways um but it's really really important sometimes and, and a lot of people do that they know that something may not be ideal but sometimes it's important to bring yourself to reality and say okay you know what i'm gonna take a small break rest can sometimes in the right form, and John, you can attest to this too with the level of training that you do, rest sometimes is as important as the activity because that's when your body can actually make the changes that you want it to make by totally regenerating and doing whatever it was. And I probably, based on everything that I could tell in the colleagues that I got to undergoing mechanical low back pain from doing more than I've probably done you know, in 10 years. And, and I just was doing too much for my body for what, for what it had been accustomed to over the last 10 years. And I needed to, to, you know, give it a break to really rest, recuperate. And thankfully, I'm feeling much, much better. And I feel like every day I'm getting better and better and I'm managing it well. But it's, it's fundamental, I think, for anybody who's looking to reintroduce activity, which I 100% encourage for everybody, that if you're looking to, to reintegrate activity into your life, Make sure you're doing it in a way where, A, you're listening to your body, uh, B, you're grading it. So you're doing small incremental steps, right? Like if you want to start walking again, maybe just start today with a 10-minute walk, right? Come on in and tomorrow try 10 minutes again. And then, you know, in a, in a week or so, maybe you're going to try 15, 20 minutes. It, graduate that. Make it baby steps so that you get your body sort of used to those things. And 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 remember, the deconditioning process happens so much quicker oh than God. the conditioning process. No so I saw from any type of cardiovascular stuff, which is actually which is what I mainly do is running. And I took one week off from sort of circuit training, weight training type of stuff. And the amount that I deconditioned in that time was astonishing i couldn't believe it when i got back on the treadmill at my house i was like oh my god i feel like i haven't run in months 
And, you know, right away within a few days, I was back to feeling normal. But right away, the deconditioning process can happen so quickly. So and that's a period of a few weeks. What can a few months or maybe a few years do? I mean, some people haven't done very much since the, the start of COVID a year and a bit ago, like, don't take that for granted that your body can decondition an extraordinary amount in that period of time that you don't want to jump right back into something right away and potentially create an injury that again, can knock you on your butt and, and sideline you for a very long time. You can create some, some serious problems that way. Yeah, I mean, to your point, I mean, if you look back, if you've if you've really been sedentary over the last year, fifty six weeks, whatever it's been since uh, since we've been told to to dial it back a bit, I mean, you can't discount age as well. I mean, this might not be as much of a factor for someone in their thirties, but trust me, once you're fifty and older, a year of going from nothing, you're a year older, so you got to factor that in as well. And to your point, as far as deconditioning, man, I'm telling you, a couple days, and yeah, you feel it. I mean, I got I. Personally, I got back on the bike. Well, I, I never saw because I have a bike trainer at home, and I throw my bike inside there. It's 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 static. It stays in my office, but because I didn't want to be completely deconditioned. But I got out yesterday and did a 56k ride with a buddy. And yeah, man, when I got home, I was like, okay, we're a little sore. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was uh, you know I was feeling it right. And I won't be like yeah. that in July, but now, man, oh man, I yeah. felt it. Yeah, and, and listen, probably a lot of what you were feeling. John was like we said, like, you know, that most people that have done any type of activity know that there's a delayed onset muscle soreness, that's when your body breaks down, but in the process is becoming stronger. That's actually a good like there's always I've talked about before hurt versus harm, right? That that may hurt you for a period of time, but there's no harm in it. it. It's actually beneficial, it gets you stronger. The important thing is identifying where is their potential harm. And that is where it's harder for an individual who's not trained to pick that up. And that's where I'm really an advocate. Again, people will say I'm biased because of the nature of what I do, the business that I run. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm biased because I also believe it's the research shows this. You do really need the professional opinion sometimes because you need to be able to identify what things you're doing are just potentially hurting but not necessarily harmful and what other things are you doing that are harmful but don't necessarily hurt in the moment. And those can be very, very different things. And so it's, it's quite important that people understand that, you know, sometimes, you know, you've heard the term no pain, no gain. That's only in the instance of, of like a hurt, like a delayed onset muscle soreness. But if we're talking about like an underlying injury that's about to happen, then that's not the right saying in that case. So that, so you've got to make sure that you know what you're talking about. It's not every pain is equal. Some pain might be just your body getting stronger and it's fine. And there's no potential serious threat to it. But other things could be the warning signs for a massive injury that may rear its head. And that is really uh, what I think most people can't figure out on their own. And, and you know, if anyone's listening and you're doing something like that. Want to reach out anytime through email help at pinpointhealth.ca or pardon me, info at pinpointhealth.ca as well. We'll continue on here. Pinpoint Health Show. This is Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back to the show. You have health concerns, something to do with yourself, your well-being, your health. Info at pinpointhealth.ca. Reminder as well, the clinics are always expanding and they're open. They're treating you. They're helping you. Pinpointhealth.ca. Simply to reach out to uh, to Dr. Lou anytime. Okay, pal, where do you want to take it? 
Yeah, John. So I think, again, the, the thing that I, I really want to get across and, and just to make it as simple as possible is that injuries, you know, they can just happen out of nowhere, obviously in extreme trauma types of things. But a lot of the things that most people will present with are a result of, of a repetitive nature of something. And we use the term repetitive strain sprain and people think thinks that, that that may mean like a factory job. It could be anything. It could be you sitting for too long. It could be an activity that you like doing, like running. Um, it could be, uh, uh, you know, a job, uh, some, a work activity. Our bodies really, tissues are not meant to be overused. And the minute that they're overused, you know, injury can happen. But at the same time, where I was, where I started the show with, is that's one type of pain that people can experience. You can also experience pain related to deconditioning. So when you do very, very little, key muscles that are stabilizing muscles of different areas of the body stop functioning at the level that they should. And that can create a, a sort of a clinical, what we would call like a clinical instability, where that might create pain in those areas. So it's really important, I think, that if you're suffering with early signs of these types of things, you know, one of the things over five years of the show that I've really tried to get across is, uh, you know, intervening in the acute phase of an injury is always the because of the simplicity that you that you eliminate the things that make it so hard to deal with things in the chronic phase. And, and that's not just the physical issue. It's the, the neuropathic pain, the pain that sets in as a result of just something happening so much, the neurology that happens behind it. That can be so very complicated to target and why chronic pain is such a hard thing to treat. And so really, when people sustain these acute things, that's really your best chance at, at getting it and, and sort of, you know, that's your best chance at like, I hate to use the word curing because I don't think you ever truly cure any of these things. They just sort of, right. you have to manage it, but it's at least your best option of, of getting it so well managed that you perceive it not to be there on a day-to-day -day basis. And, and that's a really important thing because I mean, again, you can speak to people in chronic pain for yourselves, but, but I've dealt with this for a long time. Um, it's, it's an absolute monster to deal with something that's, that's, with you like that every single day and it has a tremendous impact on your life and so really you know the call to action is if you can deal with these things in the acute phase it's it's tremendously important towards the overall outcome that, that you're trying to achieve nobody wants to live uh in pain and and your best chance of, of not having anything chronic set in is dealing with it in an acute phase you know, and, and along those lines with, you know, letting it go and letting it fester, maybe just sitting back and hoping it'll go away on its own, you've often mentioned as well the the mental aspect of a problem that is, you know, acute on one side, and then you leave it long enough, it becomes chronic. Now it's always with you, and there begins to be that wear down of the mental side as well, which is just as big a problem as the physical, right? Yeah, and, and two parts on the mental. There's the part of the psychology of it, like how it wears you down from from a, a psychological perspective, from a mood standpoint, all of those things. But the, also mental meaning the neuropathic, where you're creating neurological pathways where, you know, you can see people, and I've given this example before of the most extreme, where even in the absence of a, of a, of a limb, like in phantom limb pain, you can still have pain in something that is actually not there physically. And that really is because there's a mental map that does exist in your brain that controls everything. I actually was having a conversation with somebody about this this week, a patient, and, and, and they sort of said, you know, like, 
oh, well, well, are you saying like it's just in my head? And I was like, well, everything is in your head. I always tell people that. Like our reality, everything about us, everything that we feel, everything is, is in our mind. Our mind is our motherboard. That doesn't make it any less real, right? And that's the, the follow-up to that is it's just so much harder to, to treat that type of neuropathic pain than it is to actually treat the physical problem itself. Because, you know, when you're dealing with that physical, that knee pain, that physical knee pain, we can put our hands on it, we can inject it, we can, in extreme cases, surgery, there's things that can be done there. But once you start setting in a neuropathic component where there's a neurological pathway that goes from location that we're speaking about all the way to the brain, well, there's a lot of things in between there that we really can't intervene on uh, it, it, outside of, you know, other forms of like cognitive behavior therapy, awareness, those types of things, which are very, very powerful tools in chronic pain as well. But it's just a much harder approach. It's much more involved. It, it takes a longer period of time. So I'm not saying there's there's no hope in chronic pain. There there is. You can do a lot of the right things. I'm just saying it's far more complicated. Yeah, it's you know it's an interesting topic too because people will often deny that or say you know I don't think it's a legitimate thing. I th- just like they say the same thing about placebo. There's a, I, I know that you've quoted a, a doctor, I believe it was Osler, who said something about the placebo effect and how legitimate that actually is. And hey, it's it's another it's another arrow in your quiver to use in healthcare, right? Yeah, and again, I think placebo is an important thing for any clinician to use to their advantage, so long as what you're selling is not a placebo, right? And and an example right. of that could just be a positive attitude, right? So so you as a clinician, like I, you know, if I know that I'm selling whatever, call it service A, and I know that it's purely a placebo and I'm trying to convince others that it works, well, then that's wrong, right? But if I'm selling product A and I know that it genuinely works and I'm, and I show the research about it, and I and I give and I and I work with it in that way. Well, then that's a positive placebo, right? Like that that's very very important. In the same way, John, I have people who have come to see me, and I could tell just by their disposition that they're so negative, and and it's like I'll sit there and tell them like, you've got to change that before anything else, because even if I had an intervention that I could recommend to you that was 100% effective 100% of the time, it wouldn't work for you because you were now fighting against the nocebo, which is the idea that something won't work, right? And that's just as powerful, the idea that something will work and the idea that something won't work. And so many people, you know, that disposition, I meet people all the time that come in and like sort of a first phrase is like, you know, I'm not even sure why I'm really here. I've seen everybody and I know there's nothing that can be done. That that right. defeat mentality is 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 so powerful towards a poor outcome because it's so hard to overcome that. If you believe that nothing can help you, then how could something ever actually genuinely help you? Um, and, and it's so so tough and, and to to overcome that. So you really have to be aware. I think as a clinician and as a patient, the power that the mind has over our bodies, and try to use that. I think to the positive advantage versus the negative advantage because you know at the end of the day the reality is this if someone has a problem they want to get rid of it right like that is the reality if you're if you're in pain the goal is to get you out of out of pain and that's the patient's goal it's the clinician's goal but but you've got to use all the available tools in that and again i don't think selling placebo is is right but if you use placebo to your advantage along with the things you are recommending that are evidence-based i i think that's actually a powerful tool for a lot of clinicians and again most people that listen to this show are not clinicians they're the average patient it's a powerful tool for you 
as well to use. And there's ways to use that to your advantage just by your thoughts, the way you think about things and, and the disposition you have towards things, right? Like just the idea, like I said, of being, if you think that you're defeated, then you're defeated. If you believe that you, you are what you believe. Uh, if you believe that there's hope and that there's things that can be done and yeah, it's going to be hard work, but you're going to work at it. You, you can do much, much better in chronic pain scenarios for sure. I hope I'm not messing up your name. Uh, Adolf, Adolf is your name, Aurelia? Oh, it's Ted Duff. Yes? Oh, how are you? What's uh, what's on your mind, sir? Uh, Invermectin. I've heard all sorts of things, uh, and I'm wondering if it's any good. I, I'm sorry, what is it? It's called Invermectin. I'm 80 years old, fat, type 1 diabetes, type 2 diabetes, and so on. And I've heard, and I've had my first shot. Um, but tell me about Invermectin. I, I honestly don't know really anything about it. I, I, it. What is it, a medication of some sort? Yeah, it's supposed to be wonderful for for getting rid of uh, COVID-19. Uh, it's, it's actually been around since 1940, no, sorry, 1975. And it's been approved uh, all over the place. But it basically was veterinarian use. And uh, but now it's uh, people yeah, have been so, using it. So I'm gonna. I'm just gonna simply say that I don't know anything about it, so I won't comment on its usefulness for anything. And so I, I'm sorry, but I, I just, you know, based on my lack of knowledge, if it's a veterinary type of thing and not not really something I deal with, I, I just I don't know enough to make a comment. Yeah, Invermectin, I think, is what he's talking about. I, I saw yeah. something in the news about it not being not being. Um, uh, approved by the FDA in the States for prevention of COVID-19 in humans. I don't think it really has anything to do with that, but you got to do your research on it for sure. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tablet. I don't, I don't know what they use it for, but I don't think it's been approved anyway. Um, anyway, carry I'm, on. I'm Pat, not sure. And that's, that, yep. that, that's not where we're going to take this show. That's not my area of expertise anyways. Right. Um, but yeah, um, um, where, where were we? So now I'm trying to think of what I, it almost sounds like, I think in veterinary medicine, like it's some type of parrot, but anyways, whatever. Um, you know, and again, for anybody listening, I really just on an aside with that topic, I, I really believe it's important to follow like public health guidelines on approved treatments and things like that for, um, COVID-19 or whatever it may be, and not to fall into some pseudoscience or something that you saw on Instagram. And I'm not suggesting that that is, I, I just want to sort of a little caveat and a, and a point of view that I think is important to share. Um, but I do really think it's important that people fall, follow the public health guidelines on the right things to do the right types of treatments, whatever it may be. So anyhow, but going back to the musculoskeletal world, um, which is, is mainly my world, um, we were talking about, um, uh, you know, deconditioning and, and repetitive, uh, injuries and getting them looked at, um, with, you know, in an acute phase versus a chronic phase, because the chronic phase starts to bring in this whole, uh, uh mental aspect, as you said, John, and, and the complications that arise from that. So the takeaway message is this, if you're in that, if you're in that chronic phase, that doesn't mean there's nothing that can be done. All I'm trying to say is one of the things why I do this radio show is for public health promotion is to really try to promote the best evidence uh, for musculoskeletal injuries. And, and, my, and my public health message, the public service announcement when it comes to musculoskeletal injuries 
if you can deal with it in the acute phase, which I think you can and you should, you should really try to do that because you're gonna you're just gonna minimize how complicated it gets, and that's extremely important. Do you often deal with that just before we break here? Do you often deal with a lot of, uh, I don't want to call it snake oil cures, but even with the musculoskeletal world, you get a lot of things, oh, I've been told to try this or I saw this on Instagram. Maybe I'll try oh. this for my bad back. It must be endless, right? John, John, a great story from my early days in practice. I was seeing a patient who uh, had knee pain. Um, and I was treating them doing everything over a three week period. Once we got to the three end of the three week treatment cycle, I'd seen them four times or five times, whatever it was. And, you know, I was like, how are you feeling? And they said, great. Like, I, I feel like this is totally gone. I'm, I'm a hundred percent better. I'm like, great. So what we did sort of targeted, he's like, yeah, but I have to be honest with you. I think the majority of the help I got was from something else that I did. And I said, oh, what, you know, I'm thinking maybe he's icing at home or whatever. And, and he had heard from somebody that putting a bar of soap, like a bar of Dove soap behind your knee while you sleep was the cure. So he, he totally dismissed, you know, five sessions, which were probably an hour each of full rehab and everything like that for a bar of soap as the solution. And, you know, whatever the, the point is, is in that, that goes back to the placebo. He thought that that was it and, and he got better, but you know, the dangerous part about that, and I get this all the time where people come in and say, oh, you know, so-and-so did this, and, and now I want to try that because they believe, you know, people's general perception is all knee pain is the same knee pain. All low back right. pain is the same low back pain, and they even believe the same injury is the same between two different individuals, and that's not the case. In fact, it even works. I've had people who I've been able to get better after one treatment or something, and then they'll refer someone else who says, oh, I've been dealing with this low back pain for 30 years, but, you know, so-and-so said they came to you one time and they're better, so, you know, now I want you to make me better. And I say, well, hang on a sec, because that may very well not be the case, and probably likely is not just because the two things going on are so different that, you know, the assumption that the, that – it's the same thing and is going to have the same outcome is the wrong thing. So that you've got to dispel that right away. So it can work to an advantage and a disadvantage. Pinpoint Health Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Pinpoint Health Show. Uh, info at pinpointhealth.ca and reaching Dr. Lou and a member of his team afterwards. one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. Wanted to uh, clarify as well, uh, Dr. Lou, that, you know, it, it's all in the news, people, as well, that there's uh, elective and even not even elective, some more severe necessary surgeries are being canceled left, right, and center with the influx of hospitals filling up and ICUs. But your end of it, the Pinpoint Health Clinics all around southern Ontario are open and you are servicing people, so they shouldn't hesitate to reach out because you guys are, uh, you've got it happening, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, I think it's one of the things that for, for all of the, I, I, I'll call it the allied health or paramedical uh, practitioners out there, the chiros, the physios, um, you know, all these people, the chiropodists, massage therapists, all these people that exist in the community um, that deal with these things. Like, I, I think I think not enough recognition also goes out to the fact that these people um, 
are, are helping to, to decrease the burden off the hospital system. Because if, if everything was closed, uh, people would have nowhere to go except in an emergency room and with things with like severe back pain or whatever it may be. So I think it's not just pinpoint health. This is, you know, most most providers across the, the province are open in providing care in a safe way. So I think there's there's a lot of, of you know, uh, important gratitude that needs to go to this community of people. And I will give my particular gratitude to the team at Pinpoint Health, who throughout this pandemic has continued to, to serve our, our communities and provide this uh, very, uh, care. Um, and, and again, uh, by also creating an opportunity to ease the burden on the system in other uh, avenues, like by preventing people from going to emergency rooms. So yeah, we're absolutely open. And you're right, John, a lot of, you know, a, a number of surgeons that work with us, their elective surgeries that, that are mainly orthopedic in nature have been canceled. Um, that doesn't mean that these people who are waiting for a knee replacement, hip replacement are, are all of a sudden pain-free. They're probably in a significant amount of pain and, and we're able to provide services to at least carry them through this process until they can get it by providing other pain management options um, mainly that are non, uh, non-surgical and non-medical and, and using more hands-on therapy. And that's, that's a very important thing. And we know that the, they know, the people know themselves, they're still headed for that knee replacement, but you've got to be able to manage the issue during this time in whatever way possible. So yeah, absolutely. If, if people are dealing with these things, um, and, and, and I'm sure they are because we know how prevalent these musculoskeletal uh, pain and injury problems are, um, I, I don't think they should be put on hold. I do think people, and, and I think the province has also made it clear, like go out when it's necessary for your, you know, groceries, medical appointments, this all constitutes under that, right? Like, you know, maybe if you're just doing something from a more wellness perspective, it's not, you know, maybe those are the things where you can hold off on. But if you actually have a, a problem, um, you know, I do think you should continue to get it uh, treated as, as you would. And, you know, even a lot of our patients have been confused with the, with the directives and they've called our clinics like, are you guys still open? It's like, yeah, we're still open. We're still doing what we need to. And, and again, that's not something that we take lightly either. We know the environment that we're in and we know a lot of businesses aren't able to operate. So we are making sure that, you know, with the privilege of staying open uh, and having the opportunity to still provide this care for, for the communities that we're doing all the things necessary to protect the staff and the patients that are coming in and, 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 and not, you know, contributing to any uh, intentional type of uh, spread or anything like that, which thankfully, you know, knock on wood, uh, you know, we've been very, very good uh, since the beginning of this and, and have had no real uh, issues. So, so it's, it's really important and I'm, and I'm very proud of my team for that. Well, I think it's it's also a really uh, important branch of medicine that you guys fill because, um, you know, no names mentioned, but I know somebody very close to me who's been having some sh- shoulder issues and uh, they want to get an MRI and they were given the advice, well, if, if you can't get one through your doctor because of COVID, just go to an eMERGE and they'll get you in right away. I'm like, no, you know what? That's not really what the system's for. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and listen, not, and, yeah. And, and you know what? It's like we've had, you know, like Dr. Bergava on the show, who's a so- shoulder surgeon, and, and he's made it very clear, you know, what's more valuable than an MRI, a good clinical exam by someone who understands a shoulder. So yeah. that, that's the other issue is that, you know, so often people think they know what they need, uh, not really knowing the scientific evidence out there. And, and, and that's something we struggle with all the time with musculoskeletal injuries, where people think it actually comes to an image uh, as the gold standard, when really the, the most important thing 
is a good specific physical exam from a from a practitioner who knows the musculoskeletal system. That's where there's the most value. And we've had calls on this show where people are waiting months and months and not doing anything in the meantime. And I bang my head against the wall thinking like, you can just go get a good physical exam. Someone will at least have 99% of an idea of what's going on and you can start that form of treatment. And when you look at musculoskeletal things, we know that you progress from the least invasive things, which are the conservative physical medicine things, to more maybe in rare cases, more uh, invasive procedures like injections, and in extremely rare cases, to surgery. So you should always be starting uh, with these conservative uh, therapies anyways. Uh, and so the fact that people are not doing anything and waiting months and months for an image, which is probably going to provide no real clinical uh, value to anybody who knows what they're doing is crazy. This is the Pinpoint Health Show right here on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back, Pinpoint Health Show. Info at pinpointhealth.ca, 1-855-55, Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U. But Ron, thank you for standing by. Good morning. How are you? I'm being in pain still. I'm okay. <laughs> All right. I've, had, I've gone through two two surgeries, one for, by orthopedic surgeons. One is my hip, which I had to have pinned together after I broke it as a young man. And more recently, I had... Uh, surgery on my ankle to piece it together. Anyway, uh, the one thing that was, you know, has always been law in this country is informed consent and informed refusal. Now, I know that the doctor is very aware of informed consent and the parameters that surround it. So it baffles me. It truly does. How the government can step in and decide that the doctor and the patient are suddenly left out and pushed out of the equation on that informed consent or informed refusal. I mean, everything that's being done is, by definition, a medical intervention. So the government is coming between the doctor and their patient under all the informed consent laws and everything that has been ruled on in every province, in the Supreme Court of every province, and our own Supreme Court. Sir, what exactly is this in relation to? I guess I'm confused. Go ahead. I'm confused. What what does this have to do, like where, where you said the orthopedic surgery? You as a surgeon, you're being prevented. I, I'm not a surgeon. He's not I'm a not surgeon. a surgeon. Well, as a doctor, right, and even the surgeons, when you say that all of these things are being put off to the side, right? Surgeries are being canceled. I think that if the patient is supposed to be the ultimate decider in... Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Right. Well, listen, on on that perspective, you know, again, that's where um, (laughs) I I talked about this last week, where science and politics aren't meeting up in the response to this uh, um, uh, COVID crisis and pandemic that we're in. And, you know, I don't don't necessarily disagree with you. I, I think the fact that we've put other things of, of people's health on hold. Um, you know, the, the problem is the, the fund underlying fundamental problems that our healthcare system has always had, and, and COVID-19 has just exposed the weakness there, what happens when there's another health crisis. I, I don't we fall apart. 
I don't understand why doctors and surgeons and all of the, me- the medical community itself is telling the government now, hey, look, you guys are coming between us and our patient. We will inform them of the risks of everything that's involved, but they ultimately decide if they will proceed, not the government. And why aren't you guys standing up against this? Why aren't you? Like this is informed consent, informed refusal, including wearing a mask. This well, is- you know, we we're, let's not go too far down the line, but I, I, I definitely appreciate your call. And, you know, if you've got concerns, like I always say, when people call in with the political aspect of things, call, call the call the member of parliament, of, of, mm-hmm. uh, of provincial parliament and, and talk to them that represents you and and make these things uh, known that your concerns, you know, that's that's all I can do. I'm not here. I'm not a policymaker. I'm just here to sort of help guide people through some pain and injury stuff. So, uh, Dr. Lou, where do you see, uh, see this taking us in the next few uh, few months as far as your clinics and what treatment's going to be for you? I mean, nothing has really changed. In fact, it looks like it's going to be a little while till things are opened up. Everyone's fought to get outside and have that restored. But uh, where do you see things coming as far as people going by your office as, as this continues? Because as you said, we've been down for a year and a lot of people, not all, but a lot of people have been pretty sedentary and they're just they're just looking at getting out there and starting to move the old bones again, right? What I've noticed, John, is that people who already utilize the services, so if they're already seeing a provider, and, and I, I think this is consistent, not just again with Pinpoint Health, I think they're continuing to see that provider. I think where there's a lot more hesitation is going to see somebody new. And so like, you know, if you're if you've wanted to go somewhere, you've been referred to go get therapy or whatever, you just haven't gone. Um, and I think that's the dangerous aspect in this in this world, in the rehab world, is that people who should be doing things who haven't done them before because maybe they've sustained an injury in this period of time. Um, aren't necessarily jumping out of their seats to go to these places. And there's a level of apprehension. And probably, again, I think it's easy to keep the existing patients because they sort of know the staff, the people, so they might feel a little bit more comfortable. Whereas when you're going into, you know, a completely new environment, that that might be of concern. But again, this is where I think messaging is is key. I think, I think we need to do a, uh, overall a better job of of letting people know that you know healthcare can't be put on hold, and there's other ways to get healthcare. Like it's not just again, you know, the the doctors and the surgeons. It's the chiropractors like me, the physiotherapists, the the massage therapists, the chiropodists, the psychologists. Like the healthcare team is so big, and and there's so many people that can help play a role and offload some of these other areas that are in critical points, like the hospitals. You know, we know that they're at, at critical thresholds right now, so. Can we divert some of those things away to these other providers? And the answer is yes. Is it the perfect solution? Like if someone needs a knee replacement and they can't get it, is it a perfect solution? No, but, you know, is getting some therapy and rehab going to make it worse? No, it's probably going to make it a little bit better. Maybe not to the extent that the knee replacement will, but it at least will help manage it in the meantime. And so that is the reality that people, I think the messaging also has to be the options that people have, which is never really told, right? It's like, hey, hey you know, you, the surgery is not happening right now and good luck. And that, that's sort of the, the level of messaging that they're hearing. And, and what I'm trying to do is, is make people realize there's other service providers that may be able to play a role to fill the void right now for a period of time, at least in this, in this moment. You know, I know we haven't we haven't covered this in, in a few months, and I know we'll get back to it at some point. But uh, we used to talk about the PRP injections uh, for the knees. Yep. Are those still being are those still being done? Because I wouldn't yep. call that a surgery. Oh, okay, they are. 
Okay. Yes, yeah, they are still being done. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if it's like anything, if you identify the right diagnosis with the right treatment, it, it's always very good, right? Like that's the hardest thing in healthcare. It's it's uh, it's not does a PRP injection help every single person with knee pain? No. Does it help the right type of knee pain? Absolutely. That's what you've got to be able to identify for those people who will benefit from it. Yeah, it could still be done and it could still provide value for sure. Uh, but it's not an answer to every single knee pain. And that, and that in there lies sort of, you know, my messaging to the students that I teach all the time, like so many of the things that you could do on the therapy side are great. As long as you figure out the right person to do it to based on their diagnosis. And that, that is the part that is, is the diagnosis. That's the, the doctor component of this stuff. That is the more difficult side of everything is figuring out what's going on and lining up the right treatment with the right diagnosis. That is the true art of, of, of a healthcare professional. And, and that's, that's something, that's what I'm saying. Why the average person can't just determine the treatment they need because they probably don't know their actual diagnosis. And, and that's, and that is going to dictate what the treatment plan is. And that'll do it for another morning. You want to reach out to Dr. Lou, suggest you don't stay in the dark. Don't Google it. Just call professionals. Start getting some advice. Really simple. one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. As we mentioned, the clinics are open. They're serving people. They're helping people. PinpointHealth.ca. And finally, you want to reach out through email, info at PinpointHealth.ca. And we'll catch you next weekend. Pinpoint Health Show right here, Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.